Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Fox 2 presents Hancock and Kelly. Still can't get used to the new music. It sounds official. Welcome to Hancock and Kelly here on Fox 2. On the left right there is Michael Kelly. Good morning. And on the right is John Hancock. Top of the morning. And stuck in the middle is me, John Brown. Great to have you. All right, we're going to get right to it. Let's begin with the bar exam. President Trump thanking the Justice Department for intervening in the sentencing of his longtime confidant, Roger Stone. I want to thank the Justice Department for seeing this, this horrible thing. And I didn't speak to him, by the way, just so you understand. Top DOJ officials overruling the initial recommendation set by prosecutors who tried the case. Now, the timing of the sudden change coming into question. The president has repeatedly projected how he felt in a series of tweets before and after the Justice Department got involved. Four federal prosecutors quit the case after the stunning reversal. I don't know what happened. They all hit the road pretty quickly. I'm not concerned about anything. They ought to go back to school and learn because I'll tell you, with the way they treated people, nobody should be treated like that. President Trump also thanked Attorney General William Barr for taking charge of a case that was totally out of control and perhaps should not have even been brought. On Capitol Hill, Democrats are accusing Trump of pressuring the Justice Department. This brazen assault on the independence and integrity of the Department of Justice is unprecedented. We cannot give him a permanent license to turn the presidency and the executive branch into his own personal vengeance operation. Democratic leaders from both chambers calling for emergency hearings and investigations into Trump and Barr's actions. Left to his own devices, President Trump would turn America into a banana republic where the dictator can do whatever he wants, and the Justice Department is the president's personal law firm. And that's a good jumping off point. Mike, Democrats say this is becoming the actions of a dictator. Is that going too far, or is that how you see it? No, it's exactly the actions of a personal law firm. Look, there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of cases that probably would like the examination of the president where they believe that the sentencing guidelines are too harsh. The president of the United States weighs in on this on one of his crime family friends. Barr goes and reduces the sentence. I mean, it's just, it, this is pathetic. The Republicans continue to look the other way when it comes to the rule of law. Even if this is a nuanced thing and that it made sense, the fact that the president tweeted, the, the Justice Department should have never have done anything. And for those who want to justify that this is okay, how come they're not reducing the sentences, sentencing guidelines for other folks, particularly minorities who are in there for drugs and drug crimes? So William Barr even said the president's constant involvement makes his job more difficult. Yes, a lot of prosecutors will say this seven to nine years was a bit much for what this was. Right. But when the president gets involved, then it becomes a big deal. Well, that's exactly right. And, and there's general agreement out there that seven to nine was too big of a charge for the offenses that Roger Stone was convicted of. Uh, but 
Bill Barr's correct. The president's tweeting about the Justice Department is a problem, and it's a, it's a big problem for the administration of justice. It's a big problem inside the Justice Department, and he was right to, to say the president shouldn't tweet about that. The, the attorney general is not the president's lawyer. The attorney general is the American people's lawyer, and, you know, Barr has got a stellar track record going back over decades uh, working in the Justice Department, uh, and he's right about the tweeting. Well, he may have had a stellar uh, of track record previously, but since he's gone there, he's been nothing but the personal lawyer for the President of the United States. And what, how many other people have criticized the President inside the administration that the President willingly accepts the the criticism. That's what happened here. This was a staged event. The president knows that he crossed the line. Bill Barr knows that he crosses the line, and this is a CYA. All right, here's what the president tweeted out in regards to comments about him pressuring William Barr to take action. He tweeted, the president has never asked me to do anything in a criminal case, so says A.G. Barr. Right? This is the president tweeting. And then the president goes on, this doesn't mean that I do not have, as president, the legal right to do so. I do, but I have chosen not to. Okay, what's interesting about this, John, and a lot of legal guys that I talked to this week, attorneys say, what's so stupid about all this meddling is the president could simply pardon the guy. Well, that's, true. that's what's so silly about all this is why get mixed up when, go ahead with the seven to nine years, president say, I don't think so, and it's done. This is stupid. Yeah, I mean, and, and if he, he may pardon him anyway, uh, you know, this is... Instead, okay, great point. He could pardon him anyway, but instead you muddy the waters right. and make it look like you're intervening here. This makes no sense. Yeah, well, look, the president's tweeting uh, has been a benefit to him politically uh, uh, quite a bit, but at times it, it does some damage. This is one of those times that it's it, done some damage. And this is the president's behavior continuing to make the case to the House prosecutors. This guy doesn't see that, that he's doing this to himself. He is so self-absorbed, so narcissistic that he cannot help himself and is going to continue to cross the line. And that's exactly what the House prosecutors said. And here we are two weeks later dealing with I it. I do think, and this is just an aside, um, you know, kind of getting lost in the news this week, Hope Hicks is coming back to the White House. And I think there's a lot of thought that she's coming back to the White House because she is the one person that Donald Trump sometimes will listen to. And uh, so hmm. we'll see if there's, uh, if there's some differences in, in, the, in the destructive behavior. All right, let's talk about the Trump presidency and why the betting site's trending in his direction over towards John Hancock's side. According to the latest Gallup poll, the president just hit his highest approval number yet. Among Republicans, his approval now at 94%. He's at 49% across the board, and half of all registered voters, again, registered voters, say that President Trump now deserves to be reelected. Let's bring in some perspective. Okay, I went back in the Gallup numbers. The very same week, February 13th through 19th of 2012, President Obama had an approval rating from the exact same poll with the exact same methodology at 45%. So think about that. That means even with the impeachment, the indictments, everything else, his own bad behavior, he is currently four points higher than Obama was at the same period leading up to a re-election campaign. That surprised me because we hear so much negative about the, the president that... Obama at that point was even lower than him. Well, if you listen to the State of the Union and you heard the president recite all the great economic things, he should be at 65, 70%. If this was Ronald Reagan, that would be the case. I don't buy into all this 49, 94, something percent. This election's coming down to three states. 
and it's whether or not those people who went out and voted for Donald Trump and held their nose last time are going to do it. It ain't going to happen. The president's going to lose by more than 3 million votes this time, and he's not going to be able to pull off the Electoral College victory that he did last time, which, John, you would admit was an inside straight. It was. It was. You know, the, the other number I saw this week that was really interesting is 83 percent of the respondents said they were satisfied with their lives at this moment. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the percentage of the public that thinks the economy's healthy is way over 50 percent. Uh, the optimism in the economy is way over 50 percent. Those kinds of internal numbers, coupled with what's looking like a train wreck on the Democratic side, I think Donald Trump wins. And we're going to get into that here in just a second, especially if you put up somebody against him like a, like a Bernie Sanders. So yeah. we're going to talk about that coming up here in the second block of the show. Also still to come here on Hancock & Kelly, we're going to take a look at New Hampshire. What happened there? We didn't get any real clear answer, so we're going to talk about the Democratic side straight ahead here on Hancock & Kelly. To hear more, listen to the podcast. Just search for Hancock and Kelly. Let's talk Democrats in the race for 2020. Michael Bloomberg taking some heat for comments he made about crime fighting in New York when he was the governor. All right, you guys, everybody knows this now. The issue is called stop and frisk. That was put in place in New York City, and studies show that it did cut down on crime significantly. No questions about that, but it's also been controversial because it's been called racial profiling. Okay, he, we're going to play a few sound bites here. First of all, here's him explaining how it works so well to make New York safer way back in the day. 95% of your murders and murderers and murder victims fit one MO. You can just take the description, Xerox it, and pass it out to all the cops. They are male minorities, 15 to 25. That's true in New York, it's true in virtually every city in And that's where the real crime is. Yep. reflect what, uh, how I led the most diverse city in the nation, and uh, I apologized for the uh, practice and the pain that it caused. But why uh, did but you say it? It was uh, five years ago, and, um, you know, it's just not the way that I think, and it does not the way, it doesn't reflect what I do every day. I led the most populous, largest city in the United States and got reelected three times. The public seemed to like what I do. Well, I'll tell you what, I looked at it and I watched him pander at a church and practically beg for forgiveness. I wouldn't have begged for forgiveness. I mean, he was doing his job at the time. And then he, when he went up to the church, uh, I thought it was disgraceful. Uh, but I put something out and it was so, it was pretty nasty. And I thought, you know, I'm looking to bring the country together, not divide the country further. But uh, when he went up to a church and he apologized for everything he's ever done, that was only for getting votes. And I think probably people understand that. All right, Michael, this puts him in a rather precarious position, out of sorts with the Democrats, but a lot of law and order Republicans say, I don't care how you cut down on crime, just do it, which it did. Now he apologizes, he loses, whatever. I mean, it is kind of interesting that Donald Trump giving an analysis on why somebody's changing, completely changing their philosophy, you know, because he's a, such a big pro-lifer now. Uh, look, uh, this is problematic. Mm. Welcome to the show, Mike Bloomberg. This is what happens when you run for president. And had he been in a year and a half, this examination would have taken place a year and a half ago. But it's happening now. Do I think it hurts him long term? Probably not. I mean, if we go on what, I mean, listen, Donald Trump, some of the things that came out of his mouth that voters were willing to accept and move along, 
Times have changed, and I think, yes, it's a problem for him right now. He's going to deal with it on the campaign. People are either going to believe him or not believe him. And I think when it comes to the contrast between him and Donald Trump, they're going to take his faults more than they're going to take Donald Trump's. Yeah, I mean, we will see when he gets into Super Tuesday how he does with the African-American vote. If he tanks with the African-American vote, then he's done. Uh, and if he makes somehow makes it through as the nominee and gets to the general election, I don't think this hurts him. All right, let's talk about New Hampshire primary. Remember that? It was this week, <laughs> last week. Certainly didn't seem to clear things up on the Democratic side. Bernie Sanders won as expected. Mayor Pete came in second. Amy Klobuchar did well. Elizabeth Warren didn't. And Joe Biden, he just left the state before the vote was even counted. All right, Michael, longtime Democrats starting to get a little worried about a Sanders campaign. Even James Carville now in the mix here. Um, him and Bernie Sanders are going at it because Carville... You may like him, you may hate him. He's very smart, and he's making points that if the Democrats go with him, you're going to lose everything. And that could be the House, the Senate, the presidency. Then you've got a problem. Well, I think he's right. And let's not forget, Bernie Sanders isn't even a Democrat. He's running in the Democratic primary, but he calls himself a Democratic Socialist. And I think James Carvel's right. He's spelling out disaster for the Democrats long term. As it relates to New Hampshire, biggest stories. Bernie Sanders wins. Elizabeth Warren. What happened? Mm -hmm. I mean, she's out of this thing. Joe Biden runs away, has now put all of his chips on South Carolina and Nevada. If Joe Biden doesn't win and win big in South Carolina and Nevada, he too will be exiting this race. Who is the anti-Sanders then? Does it become Klobuchar or Mayor Pete? Both of them have issues. Both of them have money troubles. Campaigns don't end. They run out of money. So we will see what happens where the money goes after North South Carolina and Nevada. John, President Trump tweeted out this week, the Democrats trying to steal it from Bernie. People keep saying, why in the world is he supporting Bernie Sanders? <laughs> he sees the same thing that James Carville well, sir, says. Well, sir, and Carville's absolutely spot on here. Um, but you know what's telling uh, is in, in both of those first two states, delegates were split among three different candidates. And the Democrats don't have a winner-take-all system. They have a proportional delegate system. If they have three candidates survive through Super Tuesday and beyond splitting up delegates, guess what? They're going to get to the convention, and nobody's going to have a majority, and that thing's going to be fascinating. Well, this is raising some really interesting points, because you look at all these articles about these, the big-name Democrats who want, don't want to be named right now, and they're bringing up some great points. They say... You lose the presidency, you lose the Senate, and right. if you lose the House in this case, can you imagine with no check on President Trump at this point well, going into the second four years? And the one guy said, I mean, he will literally destroy the Democrat Party. Well, it, it will. And, and, you know, the Republicans have lost their backbone. There is nobody standing up against uh, Donald Trump, even though they're privately saying this is crazy and this shouldn't happen. Bernie Sanders would be a real problem for the Democratic Party. Even if he can win the presidency, the harm he causes in the House and the Senate, I think it's really problematic for the Democrats. I'm in James Carvel's camp. You know, you have these ideologues who maybe this is their first run on politics and they like what Bernie Sanders has to say. You know, I even flash back to the, the, the Perot years, right? People like what he had to say, but you didn't know much about him. They don't realize that there are some long-term ramifications for going all in on a candidate who's maybe a little outside the norm. Yeah. Trump, same situation, I would say. Yeah, and, and what's happened is a couple of things have happened. One is we've got this disdain for anything political, any kind of political experience. You know, that's kind of now become ingrained in our culture. The other thing is our candidate choices are being made by a very small percentage of the electorate. If you look at who turns out in these primaries and caucuses, both parties, 
a very small subset of the general population is making the choices that the entire population is restricted to vote on in November. And, and I think we're seeing some results of that that aren't perhaps optimum. Well, changes could be on the way, like Iowa. That change is coming. Let's hope. Others may be on the way, too. All right, still to come on Hancock and Kelly, Governor, <laughs> former Governor Eric Greitens, he stopped by the Fox 2 studios. He also stopped by to see these guys at KMOX right after report released that clears him of wrongdoing. So is he going to get back in the race? What's going on? All right. We all talk to him face to face. We'll discuss right after this. Well, this was a bit of a surprise this political week, not John Hancock. <laughs> Former Governor Eric Greitens was back in the news. He stopped by the Fox 2 studios this week and then he made a visit down to another radio station in town. Not the one these guys are on, but he did talk to him. All right, so the big question is, he's saying he's exonerated in this new report. So let's play a soundbite about what he had to say to us here on Fox 2. I am really glad that we were, we were vindicated. And I'm, I'm grateful that the truth is, is finally coming out. We got lawyer politicians who are making false accusations. Um, and I think what's nice now is that everybody knows and everybody can see. That's exactly what this was. All right, fellas, so let's talk about this. And I asked him, and you guys did too. I saw him before the interview. I said, are you going to run? We are going to be doing debates. Do we need to include you? And he said, I can't say anything right now, but we'll be in touch. Now, that doesn't mean anything. Right? Well, I don't know where we are at this point. Everybody does know. Everybody knows about Eric Greitens. Everybody knows that he took his mistress and tied her up and struck her in a basement. Everybody knows that the Eric Greitens campaign for governor got fined $170,000 from the Ethics Commission. To walk out and say you are vindicated would be like the Astros right now saying, well, we, you know, we fired somebody, we're vindicated. It'd be like Hillary Clinton saying the Steele dossier, well, that was my campaign, that wasn't me. I mean, this is the most absurd Trumpian nonsense I have ever seen. And if this, if this is the, your mea culpa tour where you're going to start to relaunch your campaign for your whatever it is that you want to do, come forth and tell the truth. We were exonerated. No, you weren't. Your campaign that has your name was not exonerated. Now, it did say, I read the, the article there, it did say that at the end, not him personally, John Hancock, he was not at fault personally, although the campaign, which so is no $600-some-thousand, so there you have it. Well, it's the third largest fine ever given out in the history of the Missouri Ethics Commission. Wait, third largest? Third largest. Well, you can spin that, too. It's not the biggest. Right, <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> all I can tell I'm you, Brown... I'm like a politician now. It's not the biggest one. Uh, second. Brown, when I get exonerated, I hope I don't have to pay thirty grand to get out of it. I mean, that's... Uh, <laughs> but, you know, this is... He's trying to come back... Um, you know, I, I don't know if he's going to run in 2020 or not. I know I would hate to, uh, if, he, if and when he becomes a public figure and a candidate again, all of the salacious details are going to be relived loudly and his family and yeah. his kids. How do you put your family And he's together? not going to be able to hide like he did last time. None of us are going to let him off the hook where he gets to run and never does an interview with a John Brown, never sits down and answers. The best way for him to vindicate himself is to come forward and tell the truth. Sit down, quit this narcissistic hiding nonsense stuff that we've all come to know to be Eric Greitens. Well, where is there room for him would be my question because on the Republican side right now, you could argue Parson is 
is Mr. Old Republican. Exactly what you want, right? Fiscally conservative, pro-law, everything that you're looking for. I don't know where there's room for him. Well, it has to be as an independent, clear. I think. I think there's plenty of room for Eric Greitens, and I hope he runs for right. governor. I know I, you're, I, winds I, I know you're trying to split Governor Parson to yeah. spend a bunch of money that wouldn't be necessary for a guy who's not even a Republican. Where does he run? Well, I mean, he could run for whatever he wants to run for. He could run for governor. He could run for U.S. Senate in two years. Uh, Roy Blunt's seat is up, uh, so we'll see. Very quick. Let's talk about clean Missouri here very quickly because it did pass a committee this week up in uh, Jefferson City, so it looks like, wh what do you call it, dirty Missouri, clean Missouri, part due, whatever you want to call it. It looks like we're going to get to vote on it again coming up. Well, in it's November. the Republicans' effort to overturn the will of the people. Sixty percent of the people came out and voted for something. They didn't like the outcome. They didn't like what you stood for, and they're going to try to overturn you again. That, that vote, no, nowhere in that campaign last time. People voted. Were, were, was the issue of redistricting raised. It was all about ethics in government, ethics in politics, getting money out of it. They never talked about the redistricting. It was in the this, legislation. Yeah, John. but they, they didn't, they didn't sell it on that basis. And what they did is they sold us a bag of goods as it relates to redistricting. This, what the legislature is doing, is an attempt to make our redistricting process Safer people, and bipartisan. People rejected conceal and carry in this state. The Republicans thought they knew better. They overturned it, and now we have this constitutional carry where there's guns everywhere. This is the new Republican Party. They're not the party of the people. They're the party of the special interests, and they will overturn the will of the people, and this is a prime example of States it. States all over the country are adopting the redistricting model that Missouri had in place. All we're doing is going back to that, and the <laughs> voters will make the choice. All right, still to come on Hancock and Kelly, it is time for Final Thoughts. It's time for final thoughts. Last week we did a little football discussion here. If somebody didn't talk baseball, I mean, it was five degrees in St. Louis this past week, right? We've got to start thinking warm thoughts. What do you got? Well, mine's political, though. Okay. It's in that, look, probably in less than nine months we're going to have a Democratic president, but we will have a Democratic president. And what we are watching the Republicans stand by and allow to happen is only expanding the power of this presidency to be able to overturn the rule of law and everything else that's going to happen. It could be Elizabeth Warren next. It could be Bernie Sanders next. Will the Republicans be standing up for all this nonsense going forward? Their track record says they will. John, hey. Well, I was reflecting, Brown. They yes. had that uh, viral video that went out the other day, the the lady reclining her seat there Punching in the airplane. The yeah. The guy behind her popping on the seat the entire flight. So annoying. Uh, you know, he was in the wrong. I say they should have taken him out and thrown him out the window. <laughs> That'll work, too. And no, no, no Cardinal Spring training, nothing like that. Are you, go, you guys well, going we down? We would like to Goodbye. go. You, can we get a junket to take us? I'll buy. All Let's right, brown cash. Now. Sure. Some sure. of that brown cash. Unlimited funds. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for watching Hancock & Kelly. If you missed any part of the show, remember, download it right there on your smartphone. Search out the words Hancock or Kelly. Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace is coming up next. Have yourself a great weekend, and we'll see you. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.